Blog Talk Radio. Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday, November the 22nd, 2019. Uh, What a crazy week this has been. I thank all of you for joining me. I hope that you're doing well in your world, in your lives. Uh, We have to remember that what happens in Washington has a profound impact on us, but we all have our own lives to live and lead and hopefully um, find some joy, you know, <clears throat> pursuit of happiness. Certainly the founding fathers uh, understood that because it was part of the Declaration of Independence, the pursuit of happiness. And um, that's really an important element. It's about being happy. And I will tell you, money doesn't necessarily buy you happiness. Um, it's good friends, uh, family, sense of satisfaction in whatever work we do and any work uh, any legal work should be uh, rewarding to us. You know, my, my dad made that point to me when I was a kid. He said, anybody who earns an honest day's pay for an honest day's work better get your respect. And he was referencing a busboy in a restaurant. Long story, but I'll cut it short. He thought I was being disrespectful to the young man who was clearing tables, didn't do it fast enough when I was 15. And I had the mistake of saying, hey, you, and my dad grabbed me by the arm and laid down the law in that restaurant very quietly so nobody else uh, heard the conversation. But I will remember that he finally said to me, by the way, uh, you shouldn't say, hey, you you know what that man's name is. And I said, Dad, how would I know his name? And very uh, definitively in my face, and I deserved it, he said, Mike, that guy's name is Sir. And he was right. And it's a lesson that I've taught my own children. Uh, It it just seems that today we measure people by the size of their wallets, their bank books. You know, size matters. Really? Uh, You look at Jeffrey Epstein. You look at that whole circus. I don't care what the man's financial worth was. As a human being, he was less than a zero. And so let's not lose sight of who we are as human beings first and foremost. You know, we get caught up in all this nonsense, money and wealth and power and the idiots that chase it endlessly as though they're going to somehow become immortal. Nobody gets out of this life alive. Let's remember that. Let's keep our priorities straight. And with the upcoming Thanksgiving holidays, I I hope that you all uh, have a good Thanksgiving, um, that you will be with people that are important to you, whether it's relatives or friends, Um, I remember losing my parents and spending Thanksgiving alone. It was a tough deal. Um, So I've learned what really matters in this life. And maybe it would be a good thing if we could get a hold of some of these nitwits, our supposed leaders, and remind them that we all put, as somebody once said to me, we all put our pants on one leg at a time. Uh, We're all human beings. We're all fellow Americans. We're all neighbors. We, we, we have divided ourselves up into little fragments. And, and I fear that for some, the most evil among us, uh, this is a divide and conquer strategy. This serves nobody purposes, purposes but for our enemies. As Americans, we ought to be focused on that which makes us most similar, not that which makes us most different. <clears throat> and we're seeing it in the campaign who could most readily represent the black voters as though somehow if you're black, you're different from all other Americans or Latino voters. If you think Americans who are black or Christian or Jewish or Latino, whatever Asian ancestry are different from all other Americans, you are two things. Number one, a damn fool. And number two, a bigot for once. Let's get it straight. We're Americans. And I don't care what your political orientation is. I don't care what part of the country you live in. 
Uh, I've been blessed. I've been able to travel around the country and meet Americans from all over. And I will tell you, when you sit down over a good meal or a not-so-good meal, uh, and you think about the concerns that we have and the dreams that we have, uh, we are so similar. And I don't care if you live in a big city or a farm. I don't care whether you worship God or how you worship God. Uh, It doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter. To me, these are superficial issues. We're human beings, and we are Americans. And that is really a glue that should be binding all of us together. We've got to get away from this divide-and-conquer insanity that has been foisted on us by the media, by the pollsters, by the politicians, by supposed journalists. It's toxic. It gives rise to racism and bigotry and hatred and divisiveness. We're in this together, folks. We really are. And we've been allowing ourselves to be treated like trash by people that were elected to represent us. Of course, they don't represent us because they all have employers. Any politician, let me be clear, any politician who accepts significant campaign contributions, I don't mean the $10 and $20 contributions. I mean the guys that are getting the checks from the fat cats. They are the employees of those people writing the checks. And when you have a boss, you know how it works. The boss is always right. He may be full of crap, but the boss is always right. And understand that when you have politicians who are saying, well, I don't take any big buck contributions, they're lying. Because the both parties are in up to their eyeballs in massive checks from the rich and powerful and from the lobbying organizations and the special interest groups. So let's be clear. We are now getting the best government money can buy and look at the result. The founding fathers would be spinning in their graves. And I can't help but notice today's date, November 22nd, and it's a Friday. Just as it was back in 1963 when President John F. Kennedy was assassinated. Um, It changed the world for everybody. I remember I was in high school. I was supposed to go to a basketball game, and then uh, I was part of the debating team. No shocker, that was my thing. Everything was canceled. I remember my teacher, an English teacher, we were just reading a a poem um, uh, from the uh, president's favorite poet. And we were joking about that. It was about the hired man, and we we were reading about death and life and so forth. And our teacher, we all had a crush on her. She was absolutely terrific. She wore these wonderful pleated dresses and skirts, and she always looked like a, like a fashion model. She was just so well coiffed, you know, to use an old term. And in all this laughter, her cheeks were flushed red from laughing so hard. There was a knock at the door. She went into the hallway and came back five minutes later crying hysterically. And then we got the terrible news over the loudspeaker from the principal that President Kennedy had been shot to to death in Dallas, Texas. Uh, It changed the world for everybody. It was the end of the age of innocence for me and for so many of my uh, classmates. And you look at what politics was then versus now. Politics has always been a rough deal. It's always had its issues. But I have never seen politicians the way we do today who are so eager to grab power, they will do it at any cost. And I do mean any cost, even innocent lives and the futures of their fellow Americans, even if it means undermining our national security. Uh, It's disgusting. And the media does nothing to help. Uh, There's a program that I've been watching. It's called Adam Ruins Everything. And it's this guy with this cartoon-like hairdo, uh, and he's a character. He's very bombastic. It's a very quick, slick, moving program, so it will appeal to young kids. And if you don't know better and you listen to the garbage that he puts out there, now some of the stuff he does is right. I like to watch. And he was talking about you know vaccinations and whether they're good or bad and the environment. Of course, he buys completely into climate change, which you know I'm very skeptical about. Uh, you know, I, I've said that if you had the transcript of a conversation of people speaking, so you couldn't hear their voices or see them. You could only see their words. 
you could still probably figure out the relative age of the people in the conversation. Now, if you're wondering how you do that, it's easy, at least to me. See how this works for you. Young people standing on a street corner having an argument, a disagreement, will be determined, and they will say, has to be, can't be, always, never. They use the absolutes with great abandon. As we get older, we are a little bit more cautious. We'll say things like, it's not likely, it's not probable, it could be, it might be. The young kids, has to be, can't be, black and white. The older you get, the more you realize that the more you know, the less you know. There's less certainty than we thought. As you gain knowledge, you gain an understanding of what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know, and you begin to appreciate that. So we've got to be careful in teaching our kids and speaking with young people to get them to get rid of a little bit of that arrogance of youth is what I call it. I have the answers. If someone tells you they have all the answers, folks, run for your life. I've been accused of being an expert on immigration matters. I've been before hearings. I've been a witness at trials. I even worked on drafting some legislation. So I I have a fairly good working understanding of immigration. But believe me, I don't have all the answers. And there are people that I know over the years, people that I've become friends with, lawyers and so forth, who are always in the wings, um, ready, willing, and able to provide me with insight or answers when I don't have the answer or when I'm not certain about issues, because no one has all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. If you go to a doctor or a lawyer or an accountant, they tell you they have all the answers, take your business elsewhere. Be careful when people tell you they have all the answers. But this smug character, Adam ruins everything, um, spews lies and mistruths and propaganda with great abandon. And I'll give you an example of of what I'm speaking about, because this is going to bring us back to immigration, and it's going to bring us back to an article that I wrote. I didn't use him in my article, but I think it provides a good segue. And, and what I wrote for Front Page Magazine a week ago about the, the immigration con artistry, um, basically looking at the Democrats, but believe me, the Republicans are no heroes here either, folks, both sides of the aisle. So the premise was that when there's a, a collision involving a car, we call them accidents. And they had an expert, supposed expert, come on and say, you know, we've got to stop calling these situations accidents, call them crashes. Because if you're driving the car and you hurt or kill somebody, the word accident kind of absolves you of responsibility. We need to understand that we're accountable for what we do. Well, I like that message. I was taught to be that way by my parents, and I've taught my own children. You know, take responsibility, be accountable, that sort of thing. But then they took that story, and and supposedly there's a guy, uh, there's a girl rather with three guys, and they all like her. And one guy somehow has an accident and runs over his friend and kills him and wants to put him in the trunk of his car and get rid of the body. And, I mean, this is pretty elaborate and convoluted, but they did the script. I didn't. And so they're talking about where are they going to get rid of the body so that the police don't find it. And he says, well, no one can look in the trunk of the car. And then Adam steps forward and says, oh, yes, they can. You're within 50 miles of the border, and if you're – 100 miles or less from the border of the United States. And it was interesting. They made the point that the border runs completely around the United States, the seacoast region, the coastal regions, the northern border, the southern border. The Border Patrol has absolute authority to search your car without probable cause and on and on and on about all the authority that the Border Patrol has and how they've stopped people who aren't even aliens. Of course, they use the word immigrants, and they've searched them and on and on and on. And how dare the Border Patrol do that to Americans and trample the rights of Americans in their own country? That Border Patrol is dangerous. And he went on and said, some people argue that we need border security for national security, but there are strong arguments that contradict that notion about strong borders. Never providing the information. Totally ignoring that the 9-11 Commission, in its report, made it clear that national security depends on border security. Okay? So he just puts that out there without supporting the statement. And it was all about how Border Patrol, you know, stopping cars that have Americans in it. Well, first of all, who is an American? How do you decide that? Second of all, 
the Border Patrol doesn't only stop people because of the suspicion that they might be illegal aliens within the border. Let's remember, they also, it's Customs and Border Protection. They're looking for narcotics and other contraband and weapons. That never came into this program. It was purely about immigration. And then this guy, Adam, pulls out a law book and says, in 1975 or 1976, whatever the year was, the courts ruled that racial profiling is an appropriate tool for law enforcement. So that's what the Border Patrol does. They racially profile. There have been subsequent decisions since the 70s that go 180 degrees in the opposite direction. But don't tell that to Adam and the lies that he's spewing to the audience that he has. So he lied about racial profiling, ignored the fact that part of the reason that the Border Patrol does what it does is to look for contraband, narcotics, and and so forth, uh, lied about whether or not we need border security, painted this horrible picture about the Border Patrol, and then he said something that lit my fuse, and I think it's going to light your fuse. So if you're sitting down, um, just just grab your armrest, because you're not going to believe the next thing that he said on this program. He said that the Border Patrol's actions drive the immigrants into dangerous parts of the deserts, and then the patrol purposely when they find water that people may have left in the desert, get rid of the water so that we make certain that the border, that the, that these immigrants will die in the desert. Think about that statement. Think about what he said. Think about how somebody who doesn't know anything about the issue hearing that program might react. If you wonder why there are people today in the United States who want to end immigration enforcement, and physically attack immigration enforcement agents. Assaults on the Border Patrol and ICE agents have doubled, tripled. I don't know what the numbers are, but they are up drastically. And you have a guy that has a program, and people have this tendency to believe, if it was on television, it has to be true, that the Border Patrol goes out of their way to get rid of the water, and the result is that many immigrants in the desert desperate for a chance for freedom and a good way of life, die because of the Border Patrol. How does that sit with you? There was no mention of Borstar. There are two special units within the Border Patrol. One is BORTAC, the Border Patrol Tactical Unit. They were actually sent by George W. Bush to secure the Iraqi border when we had our troops over there to prevent terrorists and insurgents from getting into Iraq. And then, by the way, leaving our border wide open. And then you have Borstar. And Borstar are Border Patrol agents who have medical training, and they are the people who go out to rescue people in the desert. They save hundreds of lives every year, taking illegal aliens and bringing them to hospitals, giving them first aid, frequently using helicopters to medevac them to a medical facility. But that's not what they said on this program. They basically, on this program, painted Border Patrol agents as willful murderers. So if you wonder why people will go along with the crazies in the left and say, oh, we've got to get rid of the Border Patrol. ICE agents are the Nazis. I'd love to know who funds Adam Ruins Everything. You can find it. Look for it online. You'll see the program. Maybe you can dial it up. And, and see this particular episode where he accused the federal agents of causing the death of innocent migrants. And that's why it's so important that when people disagree with us on the immigration issue, without being strident, without being confrontational, we need to have serious conversations, folks. There are so many people who are so determined to open up America's borders for a variety of reasons. Certainly the drug traffickers are thrilled. I wouldn't doubt that drug money flows into political campaigns, perhaps indirectly. They're very good at covering their tracks, but you have to consider that possibility. In Mexico, they talk about lead or silver. You know, take the bribe or we give you some lead, bullets. And you really have to wonder at the positions taken by so many members of the political elite as they fashion themselves, how many might be getting drug money so that they can get elected. You know, there's a a very interesting documentary. I urge you to see if it's available. It's the Cocaine Cowboys, 
And this dealt with that whole era in the 70s and early 80s in, in south, southern Florida and Miami when the drugs were pouring into the United States from Colombia and how there were shootouts and the bribery and, and the money that went to political campaigns from the drug dealers. Unbelievable stories. So you have to wonder with what's going on today how with 70,000 people dying of opiate overdoses last year and all the problems with MS-13 and the, the issues of national security, why any politician would think it's in America's best interest to take down our borders and no longer enforce our immigration laws really causes you to think, doesn't it? And I hope it does cause you to think. I hope it causes you to question what the hell is going on. You know, we are the most generous country in the world where immigration laws are concerned. And I have to keep coming back to the point that our laws don't only tell us who to kick out and who to keep out and Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182 is perfectly clear. It's obvious that this has nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about keeping out aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, mental illness, criminals, spies, terrorists, human rights violators, fugitives from justice, aliens who were previously deported, aliens who have committed fraud in their applications for visas or immigration benefits, aliens who would likely become a public charge, or if they worked, would replace American workers. I'm a lifelong registered Democrat. I'm a labor guy. Remember the term that the labor organizers used to use when people were hired to displace Americans who were on strike? They called them scab labor. Scab labor. The bosses brought in the Pinkertons to crack heads with baseball bats. They killed people, make no mistake about it, to break up the strikes. And they hired scab labor. Today, we don't hear the term scab labor. You hear about migrant workers doing the work Americans won't do, which is bunk. It's that they're doing the work Americans won't do for the wages that they want to pay them. And in fact, Mike Blumberg, and I may have mentioned it a couple of weeks ago, talked about in an article in an Irish newspaper, it was, it was disgusting. Well, we need the immigrants. I love the immigrants because they do the work Americans won't do. And then he goes on and says, yes, I know that more Americans would do those jobs if we paid them more, but golf courses would have to pay too much money to have the people cut the grass. So Mike Bloomberg, billionaire, is concerned that his greens fee will go up on his country club golf course, and he wants to be the mayor. And this is the guy who said that we needed to have stop and frisk, and I have mixed feelings about stop and frisk. The incidents of shootings in New York have gone up drastically within the last year or so, folks. So I, I have mixed feelings. But the hypocrisy of a Mike Bloomberg, oh, I was wrong, I should have known better, when de Blasio won the election, one of the first things that Mike Bloomberg said is, oh, my God, he's going to stop. He's going to end stop and frisk. I can't imagine what's going to happen to the crime rate. And now that he's thinking about becoming the candidate, oh, this was a terrible thing to do. These bums stand for only one thing, folks. It's getting elected and they don't keep their promises. And I'm not a, an always Trumper. You know, there's the never Trumpers. I'm not an always Trump, but there's lots of times that Donald Trump says things and it's cringeworthy. I'm going to be honest with you. But you know what's remarkable? He has done more than any politician that I could think of to keep promises he made on the campaign trail. No wonder both parties are obsessed. Lying during the campaign is as American as apple pie for these thieves. And you actually have a president who said, well, I promised I was going to do certain things, and by God, I'm going to keep my promise. What is this guy thinking? How will politicians deal with the notion that they've got to keep their promises that they make on the campaign trail? And in that regard, I have to make one other point real quickly, and then I'm going to get to, to what I wanted to really talk about this evening. Um, you know, DACA, the Deferred Action Childhood Arrival, supposed childhood arrival, uh, Obama executive order is now before the Supreme Court. We're waiting for a decision. What people don't seem to understand, and maybe they've neglected or didn't figure this one out, if, and I hope this does not happen, and you'll see why, if the Supreme Court says that the president has to continue the program started by executive fiat by the prior administration, then we're on the slippery slope to a dictatorship. Now, that might sound extreme to you, and you're probably thinking, oh, Cutler's overstating the case. I'm not, and here's the reason why. Executive orders are issued by presidents and mayors and governors so that they can help focus limited resources the way they want to focus them. 
And that's how they do that. But they have the force of law, but for a temporary period while that person is in the position of authority. So the president, for example, could tell immigration agents, I only want you to arrest aliens who have convictions. I think that's a very bad idea, and I've talked about it, but I don't want to get too much into the weeds because we have a lot of territory to cover. But he could do that. He's the president. He gets to make that call. But this is an executive order. This isn't legislation. So it's not a law. If the Supreme Court turns around and says that the current president of the United States must continue the practices begun by the prior administration through an executive order and has no discretionary authority to end those practices that were not the result of law but executive order, then why do we need laws? All you need is a president who will issue executive orders and they will live on long past his or her administration. That is not a democratic process, folks. That gives the president virtual authority to control the country well beyond his or her term in office. It's a dangerous precedent. I hope the Supreme Court comes to the same conclusion that I do. Whether you agree with the merits of DACA or not, we've talked about DACA, how it was a fraud, and how the people involved could be well into their 30s. This isn't necessarily about children. Everything that's been done has been a scam, and that's what I was writing about in my piece. And, you know, the article, I hope you go to Front Page Magazine after my show, the left's immigration law is the ultimate con game, undermining public safety, public health, national security, and the jobs and wages of American workers. And I showed how all the lies are being told and Americans are being persuaded by, by lies and propaganda. And, and, you know, the title about the Democrats, folks, it's actually both parties. The Democrats have really gone off the rails, calling for the decriminalization of immigration law violations, fighting against the border wall. Look, a border wall by itself won't get the job done. It's an element of what should be a coordinated system. You know, I, I compare. I, I always like this comparison. A wall on the border is the equivalent of a wing on an airplane. Without the wing, the airplane doesn't fly, but the wing by itself goes nowhere. So if you just had a border wall, it doesn't work. And by the way, don't think that because we don't see images of the caravans that the crisis is over. They're still arresting tens of thousands of illegal aliens every month. And look at what 19 hijackers did on 9-11. But the issue that has been forgotten by the media maybe intentionally, given their orientation, their globalist perspectives. Uh, you know, it, we were hit by Hurricane Sandy here in New York. And in fact, there have been news reports about how some people still have not been able to get their houses to be habitable. Think of that. Years after the storm, the, the damage still hurting people. America was hit by that storm of those caravans until President Trump worked with Mexico and, and, and started building the walls and took other measures to slow things down. But those people didn't evaporate. They have scattered across the country. They have so jammed the immigration system that an illegal alien who gets arrested today may be able to avoid a deportation hearing for years, for years. Basically, we have amnesty because the likelihood that an alien here illegally is going to get arrested and deported, that alien has a better chance of buying a winning lottery ticket. This is insanity. Now, the cure to all of this and the cure to sanctuary cities is to hire enough immigration agents, ICE agents. Nobody talks about that. We have 6,000 ICE agents. Think about that. Half of them, at least, not doing immigration work. The sea and ICE is customs. So how much work can 6,000 ICE agents do? How much of an impact can they have? when we have a population of illegal aliens that by now must be somewhere between 30 and 40 million people. 30 and 40 million people. New York City, 8 million people, has 38,000 police officers. TSA has 45,000 people. Our military, 1.3 million members of the active armed forces, and then we have reservists on top of that. For immigration enforcement, a critical issue, according to the 9-11 Commission, a critical issue for preserving jobs and wages for Americans, a critical issue 
to address public health concerns and the impact on the environment and critical infrastructure and hospitals and schools and so forth. 6,000 ICE agents and half of them aren't doing immigration work. Do we really have immigration law enforcement? No, we have a charade. It's a scarecrow made of straw standing in a wide open field. That's what immigration enforcement really is. And it's not enough for the radical left that want to get rid of the scarecrow. This is insanity, folks. This is sheer insanity. And I I want you to understand the harm that this does to us. If you're really a labor person, and I am, how are you helping American workers by bringing in more workers in the number of new jobs that we're creating? You know, when uh, the hurricane hit, when Katrina hit in New Orleans, you may not know this, but President George W. Bush, and I really didn't like him at all. I was told that when my name came up in the Oval Office, he used to scream obscenities. I would love to see a videotape of that. It would make my day. Okay? So George W. Bush issued an executive order. There we go again. By the way, a couple of executive orders. Number one, you see how every time illegal aliens are arrested, people say, oh, you can't, we can't tell you who they are. They're being protected by the privacy laws. The Privacy Act was enacted in the 70s. I believe it was because of the Church Commission. Senator Church was upset with the CIA intruding in in, in Americans' lives and doing things they weren't supposed to do. So the privacy laws were passed to protect the privacy of American citizens. According to the original Privacy Act, and, and we had to get training in this as an immigration agent, only U.S. citizens and lawful immigrants are protected by the Privacy Act. If you're here legally but don't have a green card, you're not protected. George W. Bush, if I remember this correctly, and I guess it was Michael Chertoff, decided that they needed an executive order to bestow privacy protection upon illegal aliens. Think of that insanity. Illegal aliens are protected. Their privacy is protected so that the American people can't find out when someone's arrested who they are and so forth. We keep on shielding people who come to America and commit crimes, and I'd love someone to tell me why. If you go to a bar, they have bouncers. If you go to the Congress, they have a sergeant at arms, right? It makes sense. If you go out in public and and misbehave, the police will cart you off. Why doesn't the United States have the right and the need to tell aliens who have no inherent right to be here that if you violate our laws, we're going to throw you out of the country to deter bad guys and to keep our streets safe. Why do we put people in jail for three things? I'm talking now about Americans. If they violate the law, they need to be punished so that people can see what happens and maybe they learn a lesson, maybe not. And I certainly don't think the criminal justice system is working. We call our prisons correctional facilities. What the hell do they correct? Not much correction going on, folks, if you look at the recidivism rates. But you put people in jail to punish them because they committed a crime. You put people in jail to deter others so they can say, oh, my God, they locked up Charlie last night. I better not do what Charlie did. And they do it to get people off the streets that we protect the rest of the public from people who would hurt them. You don't want rapists wandering around in your community. In fact, if you're convicted of a sex crime, your name goes on a sex crime registry. Ask Anthony Weenie, uh, Weiner. I always get his name confused. Weiner is something special, isn't he? And he is now on that sex register list so that people know, keep your kids away. Anthony's around. Lock up the kids. Look out. Here he comes. He's an American. He's a former member of Congress. He is on the list. But when people come to America illegally, maybe concealing criminal histories, maybe concealing that they're sex offenders or murderers or drug dealers, we don't want to do anything to hurt them. Who are we protecting? We've had people released from prison who've threatened to kill people, and and there's detainers lodged, and they turn them loose, and guess what? They kill people, and they rape people. Again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and again, and every other week this goes on. I'm going to be on with Graham Ledger on Monday. I'm looking forward to it at One American News. I hope you'll get to see it. And Graham always comes up with these stories of, of some horror show. Some guy who was deported comes back. He's here illegally, goes out, commits a rape. 
He's in jail. They got to release him. Ice lodges the detainer, and they release him. And then he rapes somebody else and kills somebody else. And nobody protests. Nobody protests. Everyone says, oh, we got to protect the immigrants. These aren't immigrants, folks. They're illegal aliens. And this is offensive to me, and this is offensive to lawful immigrants to not make the distinction, to make it easy for you to get the picture. The difference between an immigrant and an illegal alien is comparable to the difference between a house guest and a burglar. Why would you harbor somebody from detection by immigration who poses a threat to the community? And by the way, criminal aliens are most likely to hurt people within the ethnic immigrant community. That's where they live. Nobody cares. Look at the names of the children who were killed by MS-13. With few exceptions, these are Latino immigrant children, and they're being raped and killed and beaten and and carved up with machetes. But you have mayors saying, oh, we're, we're, we're protecting them. Protecting them. Protecting them. Really? So you have people that go out there to rape children and they need protection? How about the kids? Don't they need protection? We've turned logic on its head. The world has gone nuts. And many of the people who are crazy are Americans. I don't get it. I understand that people were dumb enough to buy the pet rock. And if that stupidity wasn't bad enough, a year later, the people that sold the pet rock made even more money with the training manual for the pet rock. Can you see that story? Some guy comes to work exhausted, and they say, Charlie, you look beat. What's wrong? Oh, I was up all night trying to teach my pet rock how to play dead. Can you picture it? This is worse than the pet rock because pet rocks, they just took your money. Bernie Madoff just took people's money. What's happening with sanctuary cities is costing people their lives. It's costing children their lives. And nobody cares, and everybody is siding with the illegal aliens and the criminals and the drug dealers and the gangbangers, even when it costs children their lives. This is as sick and twisted as it gets. In a million years, I never thought that I would see our country being run by a bigger collection of crooks being voted into office by a huge collection of of idiots. We've become truly stupid as Americans. We really have. At what point do we wake up? At what point do we say, wait a minute, we need to take a position here? And the more we do this, the worse we make it for the lawful immigrants. The more we tell lawful immigrants, you've got to be stupid to come here legally. If you're running away from the bad guys, don't come to America Because we've enticed them to come into the communities here. So if you want to be safe from the criminals, don't come to this this country, especially don't go to sanctuary cities. Especially don't go to sanctuary cities. And when you look at sanctuary cities like New York City, the anti-car mentality of New York City is off the rails. Now they're proposing, catch this one, folks, for those of you not in New York, that there will no longer be free parking anywhere in New York City. You want to get out of your car, you're going to pay for it. And you can understand why. We have a huge population of illegal aliens, and people say to me, well, they pay taxes. Okay, what kind of salaries do illegal aliens earn? Think about the money they make. They make very little money. And so even if they're paying tax, many, by the way, get earned tax credit, which is insane. So they're buying bubble gum, they're buying a pair of work shoes, they're buying gloves. I mean, what are they paying? And if they have children in schools, it costs twenty to $30,000 per year to, to educate a child in public school. So if you have an illegal alien with three kids, it's costing us $100,000 a year just to educate the children, never mind health care, never mind the food stamps, never mind the housing subsidies. So New York winds up running short on money. You can't spend more than you have. So... We have to get creative in New York to take the money out of the pockets of the people who live here. Now, you reach a point of diminishing returns. If you keep doing this, people will ultimately say, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. And we've seen this in other formerly great cities. These policies will bankrupt New York City and turn it back to the hellhole that it was under David Dinkins. And the American people don't get that. You've got to wake up and understand reality. And it's not compassion to hire illegal aliens. The people that hire illegals do so when they do it intentionally to exploit them, to work them to death, 
to force them into conditions that are illegally dangerous, unsafe, and unpleasant. That is not compassion, folks. That is exploitation at its worst. And it's driving down wages for lawful immigrants and United States citizens. It's causing more homelessness. But somehow people have been convinced that this is about being compassionate. People who want to be compassionate should be hiring Americans and lawful immigrants. And by the way, you need to know this because there's a lot of lies being told about the Trump administration immigration policies. Do you know how many times they prosecute companies for hiring Americans and not hiring people? For example, refugees who have employment authorization. Under the law, and you may not know this, an alien who is given employment authorization, whether the person is here uh, as, a, as a refugee or as a lawful immigrant, whatever the status, once they get authorization to work, the broad kind, not, not coming here on a specific visa to, to work at a particular company, that's a different story. Any alien who is given an employment authorization document, we call them EADs, have as much right to a job as I do or you do. You cannot distinguish lawful immigrant, refugee, U.S. citizen. They have to be treated equally. And when a company makes it clear, when there's evidence that people were not hired who were qualified because the employer wanted to hire Americans over them, that employer can be fined and even criminally prosecuted for violating civil rights. And if you go to the Justice Department website, you will see the press releases about the companies whose owners were fined and and in some cases prosecuted for not hiring lawful immigrants and refugees. We could not be fairer, but the media never picks up on this. You have the crooked politicians who give the redundancy saying, oh, we have to protect the immigrants from ICE. Immigrants don't need protection from ICE. Illegal aliens shouldn't be here. But lawful immigrants get their status from immigration law enforcement, from the immigration agencies. And so I just want to get into one other thing. Um, I've, I'm working with Dennis Michael Lynch. Uh, Dennis has a, a, a website. It's, it's a subscription service, Team DML, Dennis Michael Lynch. So he called it Team DML. And Team DML um, has me doing two podcasts a week. Tuesdays and Wednesdays at about um, 10.30 in the morning for a half hour, similar to what I do on this program. It's a subscription service, and I also uh, write occasional articles for Dennis, and I'm happy to reach as many people as I possibly can. So I've been following the news. It's kind of like a bad car accident. Uh, And I have to tell you, this business with Trump has me furious. Um, it's now been, re- been released to the media that a, an FBI lawyer, by the way, is alleged to have altered a 302 report. These are reports of investigations. When I had a desk at the FBI, I used to submit 302s. They are sacrosanct. Reports that are issued and put into a file may not be altered, not punctuation, not anything. It becomes part of the official record. Apparently, the allegation is that a lawyer with the FBI altered documents that pertained to um, the FISA warrant, the intelligence warrants, whereby Carter Page were surveilled by the FBI. And you have to wonder if it was done in other instances also. If that's the case, that lawyer committed a serious felony, not that there's insignificant felonies, But this goes to the heart of the entire agency. What they are doing is undermining the reputation of the FBI. And that is a serious uh, situation because in the future, no one will look at federal agents the same way. Reputation is everything. As my dad said to me, he said, Mike, there is no dry cleaner in the world that can clean a soiled name. There have been so many irregularities. And I I will tell you that I am livid over it. And I understand there was a news release that um, the the Senate Judiciary Committee may be investigating the Bidens. I hope they do. And if the Bidens did nothing wrong, they should be ecstatic at the opportunity to prove they did nothing wrong. 
Of course, if they did do things wrong, um, I, I think they're going to be running out of toilet paper, if you get my point, as well they should, if that's the case. Big if. But I know that when people are falsely accused, they want that day in court so they can clear their name, you know? The only people that don't want that day in court who know that at the end of that day in court comes the gray bar in. Let the chips fall where they may. But the news media has been focused on those hearings about Donald Trump. And, and this is what, the, the, the 20th t- attempt to impeach him since the, uh, 15 minutes after he was elected, literally, uh, which should tell you something, I think. Uh, look, this is about justice, folks. This isn't justice. The other story that we've been hearing all week in New York City is that if Americans continue to back the citizens of Hong Kong, this could have an adverse impact on American-Chinese relations, especially with the trade battle that's going on, and this could hurt profits. I want everyone to just stop and think about the enormity of that. For all the talk about Russia and the Ukraine, and these are serious issues, we're ignoring China and the threat China poses to us. We have been importing Chinese students by the hundreds of thousands. President Trump, first president in decades, has cracked down on this and said, no, their students cannot learn engineering in areas that would help them to build airplanes or or war uh, weapons, uh, that sort of thing, limiting practical training because they're using it as an opportunity for espionage, going after them because they are the primary source country for fentanyl. In China, through facial recognition um, technology, which Americans have helped them with, by the way, um, if you jaywalk, you could wind up with your kids being pulled out of school and you lose your bus pass. If you have that kind of control over your population and you think that people that are smuggling in huge quantities of fentanyl aren't doing so with the tacit approval of the Chinese government, then you're a fool. China is doing this to us intentionally. There is no other conclusion that I could come to. And somebody sent me an article that with all of this fixation, and think of what happened with the NBA, because the Chinese were offended that people were protesting their, their atrocities and standing up for the people of Hong Kong. And isn't it remarkable, by the way, that in Hong Kong, the protesters have been waving American flags and singing our anthem while our athletes have been taking a knee. And look, I don't give a damn if they take a knee, an elbow, or an earlobe. They can take whatever the hell they want. That's what the First Amendment is about. You know, I disagree with what you say, but I'll defend to the death your right to say it. But isn't it remarkable that all Wall Street can care about is how will this affect profits if we back up these people who are at the precipice of being overrun by a totalitarian dictatorship, which is... President Trump has been standing up against them. It was President Herbert Walker Bush that gave the most favored trade status. It was President Clinton who, during the campaign, promised Maloney that he would end most favored trade status. But it took Donald Trump to stand up to the Chinese aggressions. Uh, This is a dangerous situation. It's a tinderbox. They are poised to take over the world. Their goal is to be the number one superpower by the year 2025, six years from now clock is ticking time's not on our side so someone sent me an article because you know with everything coming at you at warp speed i sometimes feel like i'm trying to take a glass of water from a hydrant you know a fire hydrant running full tilt or maybe standing under niagara falls and 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 trying to, to fill a cup so there was a an article that was written by um hillsdale college The title was Why and How the U.S. Should Stop Financing China's Bad Actors. That article was based on a speech given by Roger W. Robinson, Jr., who was the chairman of the Prague Security Studies Institute. This is a very interesting article. It contained information I knew nothing about. I'm sure this is information you knew nothing about. As I told then-chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, Jim Sensenbrenner, when I met with him a number of years ago, if I can't sleep at night, sure as hell I don't want you sleeping at night. Well, that's just the way it is, folks. Um, I don't need you sleeping when you need to be out there waking up your neighbors about just how dangerous the situation is. I hope I'm I'm thought-provoking, if nothing else. 
Roger Robinson is the president and CEO of, w- of RWR Advisory Group and co-founder and chairman of the Prague Security Studies Institute. And he served as senior director of international economic affairs on President Reagan's National Security Council, where he was the principal architect of the secret economic and financial strategy that proved decisive to the defeat of the Soviet Union. He later served as chairman of the Congressional U.S.-China Economics and Security Review. Uh, prior to his service with the government, he was the vice president of the International Department of the Chase Manhattan Bank. So this guy knows from whence he speaks. And he talked about how uh, President Reagan's policies, and I was no big fan of President Reagan, I'll tell you right up front. I had my disagreements. He gave us the first amnesty. We can go on forever, but the clock is ticking. And, and, but he, it was interesting, the strategy that Reagan used to bring Russia to its knees. <clears throat> but he wrote about China, and I'm, I'm going to read a couple of quick excerpts. Uh, let me just get to where I want it to be. <coughs> when Ronald Reagan was applying pressure to Russia with the gas pipeline and so forth, the Europeans disagreed. And there was a back and forth, and Reagan prevailed, and China ultimately, uh, Russia ultimately uh, dissolved. <coughs> now the shoe is on the other foot. It's the, the Americans who think that somehow if we give China money and resources and, and, and favor them with the business, it's all about cheap labor, believe me, that they will modernize and liberalize and they'll play nice. Nothing can be further from the truth. They are hell-bent on running the world. They're all over the world. They're building nuclear submarines. Who are they defending themselves against? <coughs> Who's their adversary? Well, they see us as their adversary, most favorite trade partner that they are. Wow. So we know that this has all been happening. <coughs> and, I, and I can tell you, I've written articles about the fact that China, for example, bought a Spanish-language radio station in northern Mexico, and they're bombarding southern California and nearby areas with Chinese propaganda, similar to our old Radio Free Europe, to keep their students in this country in line. And they're making major contributions to colleges through the Confucius Schools Program and elsewhere to determine what the curriculum is going to look like at these schools and who gets hired and who gets fired. Chinese espionage is so pervasive, by the way, folks, that the intelligence community, the U.S. intelligence community, calls it, a th- calls it Chinese takeouts. They employ a principle known as a thousand grains of sand. They tell each person who comes to America to go to school to work, bring back this secret or that secret. They don't want the whole blueprint for an airplane. One guy gets the nose gear assembly. The other guy gets the main landing gear. The other guy gets the control surfaces, someone else the engines, and so forth. A thousand grains of sand. Well, we knew all about this, and I've been writing about it. Here's what I didn't know. Chinese companies are on the American stock exchanges, believe it or not. We are investing our retirement money in a totalitarian communist country. Think about that. Um, Here's what he wrote. China has shown no signs of embracing individual freedoms or the rule of law. Instead, with our support, the Chinese have launched a massive campaign to become the world's leading superpower. We know about the Belt and Road Initiative, a strategic undertaking to place huge segments of the world under Chinese influence or outright control. We know about Made in China 2025, a strategy designed to dominate key technology sectors from artificial intelligence and quantum computing to hypersonic missiles and 5G. We know about China's practice of forced technology transfers requiring American companies to share their trade secrets and research and development in order to do business in China. And we know about China's predatory trade practices, and it goes on and on. But this is the kicker, folks, that I want you to take home with you. Think about this weekend. But there is an issue more critical than trade that Americans, by and large, do not know about. China has over 700 companies in our stock and bond markets or capital markets. It has about 86 companies listed in the New York Stock Exchange, about 62 in the NASDAQ, and over 500 in the murky, poorly regulated over-the-counter market. Among these companies are some egregious bad actors. Hikvision, for example, is responsible for facial recognition technology that identifies and monitors the movement of ethnic Uyghurs. It also produces the surveillance cameras placed atop the walls of Chinese concentration camps, holding as many as 2 million Uyghurs in Xinjiang province. 
Both its parent company and Hikvision itself are on the U.S. Commerce Department entity list, or so-called blacklist. Do any of us have the financing of concentration camps in mind when we transfer money into our retirement and investment accounts? This sounds difficult to believe, but it is an empirical fact the majority of American investors are unwittingly funding Chinese concentration camps, weapons systems for the People's Liberation Army, or PLA, and more. This is because the U.S. has no security-minded screening mechanism for our capital markets, which have roughly $35 trillion in management. When it comes to screening Chinese investments in U.S. companies, we have the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States, which was recently strengthened with the Foreign Investment Risk Review Modernization Act of 2018, by the way, passed under the Trump administration. Congress expanded its reach because it was properly worried about China undermining our security and stealing our technology. Our capital markets, on the other hand, are completely unprotected. And he goes on to talk about that. Maybe that's what the Intelligence Committee in the House should have been focused on this week instead of the charade that we witnessed. We have politicians. If you want to talk about politicians putting their own personal agendas ahead of America and Americans, look no further than right there, folks. This is supposed to be a government of the people, by the people, for the people. Shame on us for allowing the politicians to run roughshod all over us. My dad was right when I was when I was a kid, and he raised me to understand that, as he told me, I had the responsibility of demonstrating to the people around me how I was expected to be treated by demonstrating what I would not accept. Why in the world? How in the world have we as Americans become so lazy, so stupid, so dumb to allow politicians to carry on the way they've been? and do the damage that they've been doing to our country. The middle class is on the ropes. If you look at the purchasing power of the average American, it is in the tank. Corporations are making money hand over fist. Jeffrey Bezos, the second wealthiest or first wealthiest, that keeps going back and forth between him and Bill Gates of Microsoft, it was reported most recently that he has over $110 billion. Think of that amount of money. You can't even spend the interest if you went on a buying spree every minute of every waking day. But yet, he saw fit to take away health insurance for 200 of his part-time employees. So if you wonder why kids today look at capitalism and say, oh, my gosh, I'm tired of capitalism. This isn't capitalism, folks. My youngest son likes to call it corporate welfare, and he's right. But most people, without thinking, think this is what capitalism looks like. I'm a capitalist. You know, we're at our best when we have to compete, which is what capitalism is all about. But capitalism has been perverted because the wealthy control the Congress. Because remember, the Congress is really employed by the wealthy. Communism is not the solution. Ask the residents of Hong Kong who are fighting for their lives, fighting for their freedoms. We need to stand shoulder to shoulder with them and reject any nonsense that we have to be somehow concerned that by supporting people under attack by a totalitarian dictatorship, that somehow what's more important is the earnings statement at the end of the quarter. You know, the Holocaust happened that way also, didn't it? We didn't get involved, and how many people died? When we see this kind of tyranny as Americans, we need to stand shoulder to shoulder with those who are under attack. China is not our friend. They are not a trade partner. They are an adversary looking to devour us. If only we turn our attention for just a moment. And we've done far worse than turning our attention away for just a moment. I hope that what I provide you on this program um, gives you the kind of insight that otherwise you wouldn't have. I hope it's helpful to you. I hope it's of interest. And, And I ask you to share my information with as many of your friends as possible. You know, I always like to make the point that democracy is not a spectator sport. We have Thanksgiving coming up, folks. I I hope you have a wonderful holiday. But if the opportunity presents itself to have a calm, peaceful conversation, um, try to engage in that conversation. 
the people that disagree with us aren't our enemies. They're our neighbors. They're our friends. They're members of our family. And they are our allies if only we can win them over. And that's something that I think we all can and that we all, in fact, must do. I thank you for joining me, and I hope that you have a great weekend. See you next week.